Oh, that was our last laugh. <laughs> you'll Forever. have the la- you'll have the last laugh. Forever. Well, the way things are going, who knows? Ha ha ha. Anyway, this is uh, the Evil Podcast of Evil, the podcast series that talks about Doctor Horrible Singlong blog, uh, one segment at a time. And in this case, uh, we finished watching the show, and now we're talking about commentary the musical. Huzzah! Huzzah, indeed. So, for those of you not in the know, commentary the musical is a version of a commentary that is in musical form is scripted and has very little to do with information about the project yeah so a normal commentary would be like oh i have clerks and then i throw in the clerks dvd and then there's the commentary with like the director like the director and the actors and they like like the movie's playing but then you can like Sometimes there's a screen of the of the of the people, or oh, sometimes it's, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, or it's like sometimes it's just the voices and they're talking over what's happening in the movie. It's for nerds that have seen the movie too many times and want to know the process behind yeah. the movie. I mean, if you like a movie well enough, you want to know more about it. Exactly, you're a nerd. Yeah, a huge nerd. Didn't know we were gonna go that far in this one. <laughs> well, that's where we'll get there. Uh, yeah. So commentaries. Commentary. So this commentary specifically, yes. So on the Doctor Horrible DVD, there's a regular commentary that's that. It's Joss and Jed and Zach and Neil and Nathan and Felicia and Marissa and everyone. It's a lot of people for a commentary. Usually there's only like two or three because yeah. a lot of voices. Yeah. And it's all of them just chatting while things are going on. But then this is the music commentary, the musical, where they wrote a bunch of extra songs and like little dialogue, and so you turn you watch Doctor Horrible, but instead of the like the songs and the dialogue from the show, it's this new commentary. And it's mostly it has nothing to do with yeah. what's going on. There's like a few references here and there, but they really are standalone. And honestly, I just for the first time today watched the movie. While listening to commentary, I've only ever heard commentary on its own. Yeah, before. me too. I I actually it took me a long time to realize that what it was supposed to be was it plays during the show. I don't know what I thought it was. I guess I ima- I had also imagined at some point in my life that there was like a visual to it that it wasn't just audio, but especially because it's considered a soundtrack. On the variety of streaming platforms and song yeah. purchasing platforms. I mean, what else? <laughs> and this kind of gets back to like the uh, the thing we love about Doctor Horrible, which is that like it's it's taking these creative leaps and like really trying to to break new formats and do new things. And I mean, commentary the musical in that way is probably one of the most interesting mu- like musicals ideas out there. What's the uh, isn't it, doesn't Sondheim have a thi- have a musical that's just like about himself? I don't know. I'm a, I actually thought of Sondheim later on in this. Um, I had a Sondheim. I was like, oh, this sounds like Into the Woods or reminded me of Into the Woods. So I don't know if it's very it's very Sondheimy where it's in general like in general where it's just like it's it's self aware. Obviously, it's breaking the fourth wall, um, or as they say in the song, the ninth wall. Or Sondheim's got, like, some sort of thing where he, like, it's, like, a thing where he's reflecting on, like, his career, and then at some point he sings a what is so you pulled it up. It's called Follies. Follies. I don't know anything about it other than the name. I just Googled I, I it. I think at some point he sings a song about how great he is, which 
puts some people off, but I think it's just funny. I don't know. Maybe? I don't actually know if this is it. But in general, yeah, this kind of musical tradition of like... Yeah, I think there's something behind Broadway and musicals in general. They hold this different place in film and performance history because there's so much more to it than just, oh, these are the words, this is how they acted, the cameras who used, etc. Because there's this level of music and why those lyrics and that kind of stuff and the staging that goes around the certain song performances that I have been to multiple behind the scenes in Broadway theaters like ooh let's look at some costumes and the concept art and I mean I'm a sucker for a good concept art like so (laughs) I just yeah I only have two portfolios full of concept art for Disney stuff and I'm not staring at some concept art for Star Wars right now (laughs) but I think Turning it on its head and being about the people that are behind it and adding this layer of exaggeration. Yeah. Exaggerations. Is that a word? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. That was the word I wanted. That it, it just gives something that fans of all these people or fans of the project can be like, hey, there's this other kind of even more buried thing. Like, yeah, you thought Dr. Horrible was like a subculture and not not mainstream. Well, wait till you hear about Commentary the Musical. That is a whole other layer down. And that that's kind of my favorite thing about it is that like, I, I would, I, I tend to say that I like Commentary better than I like Dr. Horrible. You do. And just because it's that kind of deeper thing, like... You're super hipster. Yeah, I'm so I'm I, so much of my identity is tied up with me uh, liking liking quirky things that like the commentary is a good encapsulation of it. Well, even thinking about the number of guests that we had on this season, not many of them had heard commentary. Yeah. And how did we find this? Do you remember? I, I think the way I found it was so I was probably I was listening to. Dr. Horrible on Spotify, probably. And then I, you, if you click on the artist, so you click on Neil Patrick Harris or something, and then you're like, okay, what, what, what songs does Neil Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris have on Spotify? And then you realize that this other album called Commentary the Musical, and then you're like, oh, okay, what's this? And then you listen to it. Oh, you're like, oh, this is like a whole thing. Okay, that's how I find it. But you're right in that there's no way there's like it's not broadcast out like unless you have the DVD, which very few people have. Because you can usually just watch it online. There's no way of knowing that it exists. Yeah. It is something funny that I don't know if it adds anything or if it's just another thing I appreciate. It It's very different than my appreciation for Dr. Horrible. They're, yeah. they're separate things in my brain. Yeah, me too, I think. Because Dr. Horrible is like this fun, like, nerd culture, like... Almost comic booky superheroes. Yeah, it's got like this serious side, but it's got also got this like quirky side, and then commentary is just this like inside baseball, like totally wacky, like just based on like the actors and the the producers and the writers, just their characters as opposed to the characters in the story. Yeah, I think a dive into the characters behind the minds of the behind yeah. Dr. Horrible is a better way to think and about even, it. And even even then, like the it's characters so exaggerated. The characters of Joss Whedon and Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion and all of them within the story are, are so exaggerated. But it's still funny. Why don't we go through it? Okay. <laughs> I have all of the songs written well, almost all of the songs written down. I didn't write down the fi- full titles for some of them. 
So basically, it's like it goes song, and then there's usually a little bit of dialogue in between the songs, and then yeah. So yeah, so the first one is commentary. commentary. Uh, it's just kind of the little intro song. It's like you're. It's very. Up. It's like very Broadway. Like it, we're all on stage that, now. That is honestly, <laughs> there's so much of this that I have Broadway beats like written in kind of thing because it is very much like a this is your bonjour from Beauty and the Beast. It's Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats. You know, we just both hit two different audiences there. It's Good Morning Baltimore. Uh, it's... This is Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think This is Halloween actually might be the best example we just gave um, from Nightmare Before Christmas. So, not a Broadway, but... They know they do a they do like a staged reading of Nightmare Before Christmas, but they've never done like a Broadway version of it. No, that seems like that would be that'd be wicked hard to yeah, get but, the aesthetics. Because like if you think Beetlejuice, what they had to like if anyone's familiar with Beetlejuice the musical, I've not seen it yet on stage, but I've looked at a lot of the images around it and things like the shrunken headman. You can do in a very simple way that works for theater but the way like i can't imagine zero or dr finkelstein or them flying through the air like there's too many sets and just it's it's broadway they'll they'll throw a bunch of money at it well it's no because it'd be disney throwing a bunch of money at it and would they throw a bunch of money at that no i think there's i if for if all if Disney is lazy and only wants to do th- like do things with properties they already have, they're not shooting any shots in terms of Broadway. That's all they do. Their Broadway division is just making things yeah. that they've done. Yeah. So I'm saying, like down the line, eventually Nightmare Before Christmas would be a good option for them. I guess it's got enough songs too, because yeah. I think a lot of the ones that they've already done, Frozen, Little Mermaid. There's not a lot of mute. Like, if you look at the soundtrack, yeah. there's like six, seven songs. Yeah. But they've added so many. Yeah. Problem for Nightmare Before Christmas is probably that it's so short because it's only like the movie is only like 70 minutes long. They would extend. Scenes yeah. There'd be more dialogue and stuff. More Sally, probably. Yeah. Yo. Petition. Yeah. Let's make this happen, folks. Okay. So, commentary to the musical. <laughs> So uh, the first song is commentary. Everyone loves these making ofs, the story behind the scene. Uh, Nate phoned it in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, they, Nathan Fillion really gets hammered on in this. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but the, the the joke is that like we're going to do a commentary and like we'll tell you which, which jokes were Joss's, Marissa's, or Jed's, or Zach's. We won't have these awkward that. pauses. <laughs> And then there's a joke where they like all go silent singing for a bit. Something they also comment on. Eh? No. <laughs> um, is how it will help them sell more DVDs. Yeah, because they've only sold four. Yeah. And so I looked a little into this. Um, they made about $3 million selling it on iTunes and through DVDs. And yeah. that was how the people that made this got paid. They only got paid and made money off of sales yeah. as opposed to getting paid up front or okay. having producers or that kind of thing. So it really was a passion project. Well, yeah. I mean, $3 million, like considering the, I don't, I, I don't never looked up what the budget was, but I can't I imagine it was, I don't know. People got paid. That's, that's decent. Who yeah. knows? So we go from commentary into, uh, where did it come from? Uh, which, which is a the dialogue. Di- the dialogue sting. Well, what's great about that is, um, Nathan goes like, 
uh, we're only halfway through the first shot. We're not going to make it. We're all going to die. And then uh, Felicia, Felicia, Felicia fake slaps him because there's a there's a, just a very obvious like <laughs> like clap slap. And then they're all like, oh, what? what? <laughs> Neil has a great line delivery. He's like, an internet, an internet musical is a wacky idea that's zany. Where did it come from? <laughs> like, just kind of making fun of, like, He's nerds. Very peppy. Like, nerds who would ask that question in, like, a, like a, like a blog forum or, like, a Q&A. Like, it's a wacky idea that's zany. <laughs> yeah. He's, his personality throughout the entire thing is very over the top and very extra. Yeah. And then we go into this kind of writer strike, strike song. Um, strike! Exclamation point. Um, uh, in the intro, Felicia has the line, what do the writers do with you? I love that line. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, there's like a little bit of mumbling, like, this is a moment of solidarity. And then they're all like, what, what does this mean? What is this? And Felicia's like, what do the writers do? And I'm like, I have definitely been that sassy remarked person before. Like... <laughs> Yeah, so Strike is probably the only song in the whole musical that actually says anything about the making of this project. Okay, yeah. I, I, that's the take. I that, That's my thesis statement for this song. Um, it's the only one that says anything about how, why this movie I mean, was made. Nobody's Asian in the movies and the ensemble yeah. one is. But that's very much about Penny's casting as opposed to the project on. Yeah, yeah. So... It's very Ninja newsies. Ropes. Ninja Ropes has nothing to do with the making of. What? They played Ninja Ropes. That doesn't have to do with the making of the production. It has something to do with what happened on the site, but not production. Yeah, that's the behind-the-scenes stuff that we come here for. No. It's a, okay. So, it is very newsies X. Here's my next next Broadway take. Okay. It's very newsies. Okay. It's got the, the uh, carry the banner kind of feel to it. It's a very, like... If you haven't, I just don't know how to describe it. If someone hasn't heard it, I'm not going to. I believe you. It makes sense. Okay. They also use the word psych, which never gets used anymore and bring back psych. (laughs) What was I, what was I going to say? Oh, just it for reference. I don't know if if someone's listening to this podcast about commentary, the musical about Dr. Horrible sing-along vlog. They're, they're, they're in the weeds. (laughs) Congratulations, you're a huge nerd too. Yeah, as they'll say later, it's like breaking the ninth wall. Yeah, I was saving that joke for later, Tyler. Sorry, I have a list of jokes here. <laughs> All right, I'll let you get through your your set list. No, no. <laughs> um, but the, most of what we referred to earlier in this project of talking about Doctor Horrible, any of our insight on why this was made came a lot from this song. Because, yeah, it is one of the, the actual gems of information that we have on this project. Yeah. Well, the idea that, like, they had to, yeah, they had to make it for almost nothing. And then the idea that they probably only got paid with DVD sales comes from the idea that, yeah, like, yeah, when you're in a writer's strike, like, there's not a lot of cash flow. No. And the fact that it's still not great in the industry for writers, it's getting better, but it's yeah. still nowhere near where it could be and the recognition of writers is still not present so that what do the writers do comment still kind (laughs) of sits yeah my favorite line in that song is um it's convincing as a cockney dick van dyke which is just like a a forced rhyme because they've been using ike as the rhyme Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i like that line yeah 
clever. There are some really good rhymes throughout this yeah, project. The, yeah, the whole commentary of the musical has some like just good, good, well written, what good, good songwriting, internal rhymes. Although not every instance, but yeah. Later. So, are you good with this song? Or yeah. More strike is good. It's not the best song, no. but like. But it's good. Yeah. For what it is. Yeah. I think for its informational needs, it's actually good. <laughs> I never knew a song could sound so much like a really, really boring history class. And you are? Uh, um, so that's the next bit is, it's called And You Are. It's a dialogue segment, which includes I Never Knew. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris says that. And, then and Nathan, Nathan Fillion's like, ah, that was boring. Uh. Yeah. Uh, basically, this one served, served the purpose of transitioning into more actor driven yeah. music yeah or Stacey getting behind in. the individuals of this oh i like that yeah better. um yeah. My, one of my favorite um phrases that i use quite frequently little or no sense comes out of this that makes little or no sense <laughs> uh when yeah when stacy comes in she's like i have a solo now uh it's either zach or jed he's like that makes little or no sense <laughs> yeah and neil it so it starts out as this debate between neil and nathan uh, to who gets the first solo. I was referring to the good actors. <laughs> and uh, Joss is going to share the $10 bribe he got. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going into $10 solo then. Yeah. $10 solo. It's fine. It's a good song. Stacy sings it well. Yeah, she um, sounds great. Yeah. Uh, it's got some funny stuff in it. It's got the reference to the rhyming and the meter. Yeah. She says there's internal rhyme, although not every instance in the meter is occasionally a little bit bizarre, which is, I, 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 yeah, I found fun. Yeah, it's self-referential in a very good way. Um, Have you ever seen Fame? Either the old one or the the remake? No, so yeah, they reference, they reference the show Fame. She says, I want to live forever just like in Fame. The song's about how she's like an up and coming actress, but there's also references to the idea that she's only been there in Hollywood for like two weeks. Two weeks and she's paid her dues, (laughs) quote unquote. And I'm like, it's just a, a joke about how she's paid him ten dollars. Yeah. Um, so she says, "I want to live forever, just like in Fame, but not as depressing." I hear the remake is better. I think so. Fame is apparent. It's got to be some show about someone who lives forever. Is it like Glee, or is it um, more like Rent? That's where I'm like going between the two. I'm like, is I it think it's a TV on? show. I don't know. I have no idea, and I'm. Sure I think it's somebody... more of a drama. Okay. I thought it was like a musical. Um. No. I have no I... idea. I'm not gonna look it up. <laughs> okay. But what I do know is it was an old TV show, and then they were remaking it, and then I think one of the writers of this, so like Marissa or Jed or Zach or someone, was writing on Fame at the same time. Oh. That's the joke, I think. Oh, that's a good joke then. And we also <laughs> get, if you know, if you get the joke, uh, we also have some reference to what's going on in, on screen. Okay. Uh, she says something about the bad horse chorus coming up. And then they appear. See the bad horse chorus jump into frame. Yeah. They tell me I'm not ready to get in the game. Wow. It sounds like uh, where there's, there's this episode of Cracked After Hours where, um, for, for one thing, um, commentary of the musical and Cracked After Hours have this very similar thing in that they're, they're things that are so ingrained in my brain that I can recite them pretty accurately. Yeah. No, um, I'm going to just paint a Pause this thought for a second. I'm going to paint a picture for you, folks. So we're sitting on the couches. Watching commentary of the musical for the first time with Dr. Horrible sing along blog underneath it. And I'm like taking some notes and I'm like watching it and stuff. And then I look to Tyler and he's singing. He's been singing the entire like first note. He starts singing 
And I look to him, I'm like, are you going to take any notes during this? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm running this one then. And then you don't stop singing the entire thing. <laughs> you even get up, walk away for a minute. I still hear you singing. You come back, know exactly what beat it's on. And I'm like, how frequently do you listen to this? But then again, I find it on our Spotify listen agains all the time. So I'm like, well, he listens to this a lot, I guess. Yeah, I have listened to it a lot. And similar to Cracked After Hours, I just know every beat. And okay, there, I was going to say, there's a Cracked After Hours where um, Soren is just like saying the words to the Saved by the Bell theme song. It's all right. He's like, wake up in the morning. The bell gives me a warning. <laughs> and I, I thought of that when I was just singing, like, when I was just saying, like, uh, see the bad horse chorus jump into frame. They tell me I'm not ready to get in the game. I, th- that cadence of like saying a song is funny. Okay. Uh, the other kind of reference that, hear me out, I'm going to try and argue this point. Yeah. Uh, when she says Hollywood's heart, you, you know, Hollywood's heartless. They say heart, Hollywood is heartless. And, and only, only the strongest, strongest survive. survive. This is during the sequence in which, so what's on screen is Dr. Horrible is receiving the letter from the Bad Horse chorus, and he's being told he needs to do a real act like a murder to get into the ELE. And it's like, hey, there's kind of a reference here in that he needs to do more evil and be stronger. Yeah. It's not like later when they're like, it has to be murder right now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a direct, not a reference, but it's something that like, if we're if we were writing a college essay about like how themes overlap, then yeah, sure. Yeah, I've just been writing a lot of essays lately. I've just got thesis statements and supporting evidence all throughout this. Yeah, and then Neil jumps in and he's like he like invades the song. He paid Joss fifteen dollars. <laughs> Fuck it, I gave him fifteen. Yeah. So um, it's and then like Stacy leaves crying. Crying, which wouldn't she have started crying during the song? I guess that's kudos to her professionalism for being able to finish the song. So the neck, the dialogue in which she starts crying is called "Was it called Was it something I said?" Yeah, Marissa. Marissa says, um, "Yeah, let's all let's all cry for a white girl who got a solo for no reason." And then uh, Jed says, "Marissa, let's not use our bedroom voices because I think they're married." Jed or Zach, I don't remember. I know one of them is because when I was watching Much Ado last week, I like had a moment. I was like, <laughs> Tyler, I think that's groupie number one. <laughs> and I made you come and look and confirm my correctness. Yeah. Um, so, and was it something I said is where the ninth wall is brought up? Yeah. So. Yeah. Because because Jack or Zach or Jed, not Jack or Zed, although the, those are both names too, uh, says, um, Joss, that song wasn't even about anything, about anything. It was like breaking the ninth wall. It was pointless. It was about itself. <laughs> yeah. And Joss says, maybe this whole thing is pointless. Joss <laughs> is just such a mood. <laughs> this entire thing. Yeah. It's funny. We'll get back to it later, but I think it's it actually fits well with Joss Whedon's personality. But IRL. Um, yeah. Okay. So next we have the the masterful Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Singing better, better than, than Neil. Neil. Yeah. So so bouncy and catchy. It's like a good. It's a good bop. It's got um, some good just, background. Just jumped off a moving automobile. So th- what's nice this, about this song is that it actually does line up in the in the musical with where, the scene where Captain Hammers jumps on the van and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the most referential to what is happening on the screen throughout yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. 
Um, it was something I, I made a lot of points. I was like, oh, that lines up, that lines up. Like, it was a lot and probably more than is yeah. interesting to talk about. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a good it's a good one. It's a bop. Yeah, yeah I, I like Marissa's the, the background vocals, yeah. too. I like at the end where he says, uh, just look at his smallness compared to my tallness. And then, like, and then he just has all Kids these rhymes. His, he has all these rhymes with allness. And so he says things like, my Pink Floyd's the wallness. Pink, Pink Floyd's the wallness. Kids in the hallness. Three parts of gallness. Just anything that had all in it, he said. And then he in the squallness was the one. Squallness. Yeah, that was one. And I had to look up what that meant. And that was referring to like finding a port in the midst of a storm. Yeah, he made se- he makes seven figures and g- gets Emmy nods. I make seven layer bean dip for the gods. <laughs> Um, the, he goes from allness and then says some meanness. He's got my wonderful, my wonderful meanness, meanness, my hammer, the, the people, people can, can tell. tell. Yeah. And I was, when I read that, I was like, Hey, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, nice reference to something that happens later for him as an actual line. Yeah. Uh, without being explicit in that regard. Well, not that it's explicit. It's a body part, <laughs> but, uh, it was just like a good little gag. Yeah. It was one of those rhymes that didn't. It was a rhyme that didn't actually happen. <laughs> so, is there a word for that in like just like poetry literary analysis? Just like a a break in rhyme scheme. Yeah, probably. I don't know it. I'm not an English major. <laughs> I'm technically not. I'm technically a Latin and Greek major, but I know a lot of these things. Uh, so then, what are you trying to say about? Or then, <laughs> oh. then the next dialogue is, what are you trying to say there? Well, yeah, because Neil's like, wait, what is it? <laughs> That song's just about insulting me. And then Nathan's just like, no, it's a shanty. My my mother my, used to sing. My mother used to sing to me. My pirate mother. And then Neil says, songs can hurt like a fist. It's a shanty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I just like pirate mother. Oh, and then, okay. And then there's mention of Joy Buch- Buchanan. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Um, Neil's, uh, Nathan says... He says, life isn't a competition, Tiny. The only question you need to ask yourself is, how good a Joey Buchanan was I? A man's Buchananity is what separates him from reptiles and lawn furniture. And see, when my brain hears Buchanan, I just think of... Buchananity. One of the only bachelors ever to hold the White House. And uh, James Buchanan. Exactly. And there are some historical scholars that would argue that he was gay. Whoa. Or some... Where on somewhere queer, a, a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, and I was just like, "Is Buchananity the gayness of someone?" <laughs> <laughs> no, Joey Buchanan, as I think, as I offered earlier, but I, and I think is true, is just a, the soap opera character that Nathan Fillion played as he got a start in TV, and so. So I guess not. We'll just keep pretending, um, and then. And, and then he, someone else gets frustrated, and they're like, I'd like to hear from literally anyone else. <laughs> and they they force Felicia to sing. And she brings up how the guild inspired this, which yeah. we've talked about here before, and how she has Baker's Dozens worth of fans. <laughs> I have dozens of loyal fans. Baker's Dozens. They come in 13s. They come in 13s. <laughs> and There's, uh, like, every one of these little dialogue bits has just, like, a very memorable, like, yeah. joke in it. and Or multiple. I would even say multiple. Yeah, like, a man's Buchananity, like, is so funny. Yeah. But then this goes into Felicia's song. Felicia's song. The which art. Is the art, yeah. Yes. <laughs> art? Lofty artness? <laughs> which, I think, 
this song this song says something cool to me, which is can someone be doing something for fun? And like, is it okay just to do it because it's fun and you have joy in it or other reasons like Felicia's like, ooh, this person's attractive. Like, is it okay just to have that base level of like, yes, I'm doing this because I got to wear some cool shoes and like whatever. Yeah. Or does it have to always be for this esoteric like Yeah, I think that's more what it is. It's like there's it's not it's it doesn't doesn't have to be fancy acting. I could just be like gazing into Nathan Fillion's eyes because he's handsome. Like it's or, also Nathan Fillion's 49th birthday today as we record this. Ah, happy 49th birthday, Nathan Fillion. But no, I I was like having a lot of interesting thoughts while I was listening to this one this morning. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is actually saying something without being super forthright. And like she's inspired by the muse and shoes. <laughs> and she talks about her her death pumps and she's wearing nine inch heels in another scene like it's funny yeah. like she's got all these little things and she's like no i'm sorry i lost my train of thought i'm being such a bimbo <laughs> which yeah. is not not a not a great word no. obviously but used ironically yeah and she also mentions how neil's intro vocals on brand new day are amazing which true what, what is that line uh and that brand new day neil that intro is unreal a horse. So okay. It's part of the end bit. Okay. So I, I just, I never understood what she was saying there. So in that brand new day, Neil, that, that intros on Neil. Unreal. Unreal. So this is during her, the end when she's just listing a lot of things. So drhorrible.com has lists, uh, has liner notes for all of the songs in both Dr. Horrible and Commentary of the Musical, which I found quite helpful to yeah. parse out some of the lyrics in prepping cool. for this. But there were some other stuff that I was like the beer and Clemento and the hair and the cheese. These are obviously jokes to something that I am not privy to. Yeah, I think all references to the guild. Probably. So after the art, we have the rap. The rap. The rap. The rap comedically is probably the funniest it's song. It's probably the funniest. It's song. Not, maybe not the best song, but it's probably one of my top songs, though. Like yeah. thinking about like, all right, which songs do I like seek out or get stuck in my head or like actually enjoy? The yeah. rap is up there. The rap, the rap. Okay, so the rap is Zach Whedon rapping about how uh, he doesn't Correct. like musicals. He just likes writing. And presumably it's just like joke, like, so presumably just like dialogue and jokes and stuff. Or like edgy stuff. Yeah. And so, but he doesn't like music. Not um, musicals. And so, so the, this song has a couple of great things in it. First off, the intro is just like the intro, like the, the beat, the beat drops and then he's going like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And then you're and like, it's like a joke about how he's like on the phone because he's going like, yep, uh-huh, yeah, whatever's easiest. Yeah, 233 is fine. <laughs> Zach, get off the phone! <laughs> and then he says, oh. And then he starts rapping, which I really love that joke. I, that, that joke at the end when he starts um, giving his comments to just the, the background singer's um, chorus. Yeah. Well, yeah, over time, yeah, at the end, he's he becomes very white. Yes. He, he just starts going like, yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> his voice, turn, I, I always have thought of this as a Muppet voice. He, his voice goes very Muppety, especially towards um, the, the once he hits moist. Yeah, he's like, what's going to happen to these kids? It's compelling. It's compelling. Um, yeah, I like that. And just all, yeah, at the end when he's just like, yes, I agree. And then at the end, the very end, he says, I'm the youngest. <laughs> and just every, every once in a while, I think I'm the youngest. And just, I laugh. 
You are the youngest. I, I'm the younger of two. You're the youngest in our immediate family. Okay. But yeah, the rap, yeah, most of the song is about just like, he doesn't like make a musical, doesn't matter if it's witty or pretty, that's a one-way ticket to butt kick city where you all are permanent residents. Do you need a little more evidence? He's a bully. Yeah, you're starting to sound like a bully. <laughs> but then it's revealed that he is a theater nerd too. Yeah, because they go they go through all like the plays they did in like high school or whatever. And they're like, were you the Tin Man and Wizard of Oz or something? <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, Zach, it's it's a fun song. Uh, it is. It's probably yeah. It's up there as one of like my top songs, but it's it's definitely not the best song. Yeah, but it's good. It's it's the funniest song. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So then uh, after that, we've got. How's it going? Which is the reveal of Simon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon pops up and he's like, uh, yeah, guys, uh, I know because of the time slot the on the internet, internet. Uh, that you couldn't fit my song in, but I've got a lot of demons. Then he's got such a jazzy. So his song is called Moist. Yeah. Nobody wants to be moist would be the longer title. Yeah, but it's just moist. Yeah. And it's. Jazzy. Yeah. Jazz hands, jazzy. This is, this is one of the more, like, uh, easier songs to get into on a first listen. This would yeah. probably be a favorite song. Yeah. No, I definitely, like, like this song a lot. And it's got, this song has got some funny rhyme scheme yeah. to it. Yeah. My microphone is dripping. My baritone is slipping. A rhyme into this line I'll have to foist. Nobody. Or is it voice? It's voiced. Voiced. I always thought it was just him saying force, but as no. voice. It, it, the... So, like, in... In the lyrics, it's foist. Foist. That's fine, F-O-I-S-T. yeah. F-O-I-S-T. Yeah. The way moist Nobody is... wants to be... Oh, yeah, okay. Moist, yeah. It's a good song. And he goes, what's that? I have to play a piano solo? Okay. Yeah. Just, like, I have to solo? All right. <laughs> like, anyone's ever had to solo and not wanted to solo. And the other cool thing, um, some screen alignment here. When his song starts, moist is actually on the screen. Yeah. For the second bad chorus. Bad yeah. horse chorus. Yeah, that little part. Moving on, we have... Can't we all just hug? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, everyone's kind of arguing, like, because Neil's like, uh, what, Simon gets his own piano solo? I haven't even had a song yet. <laughs> you always were jealous of Simon. Jealous? jealous. Ha! <laughs> and <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris has this bit about how he laughs. The way he laughs sounds like it's sarcastic. Simon actually does the piano solo. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just like looked down again at the notes for that song. And I was like, wait a second. Simon actually did that one, Um, which is impressive. Um, Not really. I I guess. I don't know. And then Zach comes in and he's like, yeah, can't we all just hug? And then everyone's like, what, Zach? And then he's like, "Uh, I mean, what up, bitches? (laughs) Because he just sang this whole cool song. Yeah. Uh, And they then realize that they have actually had one good day together. What do you mean? Oh, oh, the actors. I thought you were talking about Moist. I was like, I don't know. Moist has never has a good day. He's moist. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) there was this one day. Remember, guys? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Apparently, uh, Nathan and Neil and Jed. Jed. All played ninja ropes together. And yeah, whether or not this actually happened, it's kind of a fun. This is such a weird song. Yeah, the song. (laughs) The song is great. The ninja rope song is wonderful. It's weird and wonderful. Yeah. Um, I know you have played Ninja Ropes before. I vaguely remember you playing it around the time. I remember. I've definitely played versions of games similar to Ninja Ropes. I don't know if I've ever actually played Ninja Ropes. 
But I've played games like it. So do you want to explain what Ninja Ropes is? Ninja Ropes or? is just essentially like a game where... Is it a Steam game or like what... Would you, is it, it a flash player It's game? more of a flash game. Yeah, it was probably an app at some point. Like a, or like a circa 2007-2008 iPod Touch. So that would where have been it was just a lot of games. Along the times of um what was that Tomb Runner one? Tomb Runner? I don't No. You know which one. I'm uh, about, yeah, right? I know which one you're talking. Yeah, it's, like it's, that time period. Games, yeah, games were all all the only things you can really do are tap on and off. So Ninja Ropes the way the way it works in my head is there's a guy and you, so you tap to attach a rope to the nearest string, and then you untap to release the rope. So essentially, it's just you like it's a swinging. Game. So yeah, so you you tap to swing, and then it keeps like, and then it swings a little bit, and then you untap, and then it stops swinging. And Nathan got the Nathan holds the record one nineteen point seven yards. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't like. I don't know how. I have no idea. Is that a lot? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's don't hard know. to say. We don't know what the. It would be funny if that was just really bad and they were all really bad at it. Yeah, uh, possible. And the harmonies on this song um, are pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all these like weird like minor chord harmonies that are all pretty fun. And then at the end, there's this like fake big guitar. fake guitar solo, which is Neil yeah. just going like wow 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 wow. Yeah, with some um, reverb over yeah. his voice, kind of thing. It's good. Um, and Neil sings, "Swing, little man, swing and fly so high." So good. Uh, it's just kind of like a good like rock and roll song. Yeah, it, it's their te- so they've had a jazzy song. They've had I don't know like a, a Broadway opening song. It's all good. Yeah, it's good. And they're tight as bro- they hope to be tight as brothers forever. One would hope. So, aren't you guys forgetting something? Uh, the rest of the ensemble. What is an ensemble anyway? It's just assembly spelt like in French. That's a that's a line that goes. In- in my head. Yeah. And then this turns into All About Me. Yeah, which is the songs, the song with all like the bit parts with the newscasters and the groupies and the moving guys, which are all actually on screen at the time because it's, it's, uh, it's the So They Say song mm-hmm. at the beginning of Act 3. The only ones that are not on screen at the time they are singing in the song is the moving guys. Yeah. Or the moving guy because only one of them sings. Yeah. Again, this second guy's voice. Does he have a voice? Doesn't exist. Um, and yeah, so that's just a fun song about all the bit parts, and it it, it actually is a really good song. It's, yeah, nice and referential to their parts, and yeah. like plays off some jokes based on who they are typecast as. So the groupies have some jokes. The newscasters, yeah. I think, have the best jokes. In Similar the song. to so they say, like the harmonies are really tight, and yeah. just it the the way it passes between each character is really well done. Yeah, so it's. Marissa, Stacy, and Steve, and Steve, and the two producers who are the newscasters. David and I'm trying to remember her name. Marty, 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 or Marty, Marty. So and Marty, please. Jed has um, a line in it too because he's one of the bad horse chorus. So okay, yeah. Oh yeah, so, the bad horse. Yeah. Yeah, bad horse chorus is in it, and they have frothy beers. <laughs> We're not just chorus boys. We have a story arc and frothy beers. Exactly. Which their beers are hardly frothy at the <laughs> end. And that's the only time they have beers. So it's like, eh. It must have been frothy at one point. During one of the takes, it was frothy. I wonder how many takes that last bit took. Because, like, that's a very fluid kind of, like, him walking Yeah, but it's just, it's just extras. So you just kind of, extras do your thing. And then, just dance. Yeah. And the purple pimp does a little bow. No, Neil does the bow to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Correction. 
Uh, so, yeah, no, it's a fun one, but nothing super special. And then it goes into, what do you mean? Well, yeah, so the, so then someone raises the question, because it, a, Marissa's in this song about the bit parts. Nathan brings this uh, And he's like, why didn't you just make yourself Penny instead of Monkey Face? Um, referring to Penny. Um, and the Felicia Day. Uh, yeah, Felicia. <laughs> and she's like, well, that's really funny if someone doesn't have a vestigial tail. Um, oh, that face like a monkey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Nathan, so Marissa's like, I didn't want to be Penny anyways. And Nathan's like, tell Neil what you mean. Yeah, what Ask, do you mean? Well, Neil asks, what do you mean? And then Nathan, Nathan's like, tell Neil what you mean. And what it's just like, what, mean? what do you mean? <laughs> and it turns into uh, nobody's Asian in the movies. Yeah. What Which, do you think about this song? It's a, it's a prescient song. Yeah. I feel like I'm not fully capable about speaking to the problems behind this, recognizing my position as a white person. And it kind of does pit different minority groups against each other, which is a problem that in it, like inhibits the potential of unifying forces. Yeah, coming. I think later in the song, when, she's, when she refers to the other, like, minorities that like are also not in movies as much it's pointing to the idea that like especially in like america like hollywood film like mm -hmm. when you want like a not white person you're gonna go for like an african-american or literally anyone and usually like a like east asian is like the last on the list yeah they're it's only typecast characters yes and that was like the that's the point of this song is she's raising the issue of typecasting and how the groupie, her being a groupie is kind of an off for what a normal typecast would be because she's comic relief. She's talking about how usually Asians are like doctors or like... Business people. Yeah. Or... Like laundry or something like that. Yeah. But as something I didn't realize, like when she starts listing all the other minority groups, um, the little music cues after she says them rem are reminiscent of songs associated with those minority groups. Um, okay. That it's kind of like that kind of, I don't know what the instrument is that's common through East Asian music. Well, yeah. So they do the, they do the riff on the, like the, like the Asian riff, which is like, uh, I can only think of the slow version of the song. Dun, 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 dun. Um, yeah. They do a riff on that where it, in the song it's, but it's with the same type of instrument. Yeah. Which is like a like a mandolin type but guitar. But it's, it, it's not it, no because it's flat. I was watching a movie with one okay. the other day. Okay. It's like something like that. It's like a lap mandolin kind yeah. of thing. But it has a name, and I feel bad it's that I don't sound. know that name. Yeah. That's on me for not looking it up. But it's it's do they, do, she, that, she, they do that when she's talking about the other. Uh -huh, they will not. They do reference the the African American reference is the most obvious for me. Um, because it's kind of a jazzy 1950s rock kind of like it's got the like the the twangs of the guitar. Oh, okay. So when she says Mexican, it does. There's a little like guitar thing, yeah, yeah. like a little yeah, acoustic guitar. <laughs> and when she says a black, and it, it it has like a little funk riff. Okay. Yeah. And I think that. I guess I never put that together. That makes sense. I don't think it's. I don't think it's as like. It's not as in your face as it no, could have been, which that, I guess is less offensive than well, it. Well, what I'm saying is that was the first time I noticed it was listening to it for this. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those, oh, that's I different. just thought it was just a just a, just a a riff because it's it's this bridge of the song. So in a bridge, you kind of get an opportunity to just kind of be weird. And so, but yeah, yeah I think that, I think that definitely holds true. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, it's the song overall is a satire for a very serious issue that yeah. occurs in Hollywood and gets back to like also issues with the writer strike and yeah, today's like Oscar so white and that yeah. kind of stuff and Greta Gerwig yeah. getting snubbed for Little Women. <laughs> Thank- <laughs> well, <sighs> uh, I mean Greta Gerwig's a different issue. Cause... Yeah, oh no, I I, I know, but <laughs> um, also Little Women was great. Yeah, and in recent years there have been uh, more successful. Asian and Asian American Hollywood and Crazy uh, actors, Asians. Crazy Rich Asians, Parasite, Parasite, which is a uh, Bong Joon Ho from Korea, and just even a, a sitcom like Fresh Off the Boat is one of the most popular sitcoms. It's kind of the go-to. People are like, "See, we're equal now. You have one sitcom." But um, uh, so obviously that's not enough. But yeah, we've made progress since two thousand eight. That is worth pointing out, at least, if not, yeah. if not, it's. It's Building the on. starts of yeah. progress. Yeah. I would not say we've progressed. <laughs> well, progress doesn't mean we've gotten to our goal. But... Yeah. And then, isn't your dad a transpo guy? Yeah. What is a transpo guy? I have no idea. Transport? Yeah. I would assume it's something to do with transportation. Okay. Um, but Marissa ends the song being like, my parents will be so proud of me. Yeah. Um. And she said, she says her father's a nerdy, nerdy funny, funny scientist. scientist. And then someone's like, wait a second, no, he's not. And then she goes to cry in the corner to play her violin in math. Wait, what? Okay. When Marissa leaves, so when she gets all upset for getting called out, she's like, I'm going to go in the corner, play my violin in math. And it's like, okay. it's playing on I thought on that those... was something she was saying that her dad did. No, it's something that she's do, going to do because she's been hurt by okay. the cruel okay. messages. No, that's her. funny. Okay. Yeah. Either, yeah. Either way, it's playing into those stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. And then heartbroken. Okay. So, yeah. So Joss gets his song, which is all about like this kind of idea that this is commentary. So like we're looking for some deeper meaning into this. And so, the fir- yeah, the first verse is like caveman painted on a cave was a bison was a fave the other cave people would rave they didn't ask why this idea that just like people are always like asking you to explain your art like what does it mean especially with something like dr horrible that has not an ambiguous ending but like a like a like a woo ending yeah and i think also this obsession lately i mean we're guilty of it too like trying to get to the the nitty-gritty details of something and not just appreciating it for what it is yeah and how art has taken on this new elevated status of, oh, this artist has painted or has duct taped a banana to a wall. Yeah. Like. It's broken by the endless loads of making ofs and mobisodes, the tie-ins, prequels, games, and codes the audience buys. And so, yeah, obviously, uh, the evil podcast of evil being guilty of this, <laughs> but in a, but not in a way that we're, like, trying to cash in on it or, like, yeah. we're. we're <laughs> if we cashed in on that. Um, jokes but or that or even that we're bothering the artists at all with it we're just kind of doing our own thing yeah we're having we're appreciating this by going deep dive and exploring why people like it so much yeah that's really what we're doing um but there is something to be said for uh, joss whedon the character in the commentary the musical and in real life probably feeling like okay guys like i get it yeah i made firefly and buffy like just chill out. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the Avengers too didn't help him. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so this actually happens. This this so this song exists in a pre-Avengers world. So the fact that it really comes true later on with 
he'd make the Avengers and Age of Ultron, and then kind of nerd culture just becoming too much for him, among with other things that um, were more or less problematic um, that he, he would say later would come up, would kind of cause him to like retire from Twitter and just kind of take a break from being as prominent in pop culture. So we have the opportunity here, Tyler. He mentions Odysseus and the Odyssey. Do we want to go? Well, he says, yeah, the Homer's Odyssey as well. A bunch of guys. Is Does he say is swell or as well? Was swell. Homer's Odyssey was swell. Yeah. A bunch of guys who went through hell. Yeah. It's just saying like, yeah, the story exists. Like we don't we don't go like, hey, Homer, what was what were you thinking? Yeah. Obviously, because Homer wasn't a real person, but. And Charybdis tested well with teens. Charybdis tested well with teens. I think that reference, like, for those that are actually, like, Odyssey fans or, like, know of, remember reading it in high school, whatever, um, I, I think that's a funny joke. Does, uh, does does Charybdis test well with teens? I mean, it's one of the most exciting parts of the... Okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's and, just like an action scene. And it's one that is, uh, it, like, it exists in Percy Jackson, it existed in... Yeah. I'm just thinking it's one of those things that's like when people think about the Odyssey, they think of Polyphemus and like Charybdis and Scylla, which is just like the weird adventure stuff that he tells in the in a meta narrative within the story. Yeah. And is not actually like the story of the Odyssey. Yeah. No. And I, but I think the fact that like they pull out the Charybdis is like yeah. out of the one image and the fact that it fits so well, like metrically. Yeah. And then after one of the chorus, uh, Jeter Zach says, Joss, why do you rail against the biz? You know, that's just the way it is. Both of them. Um, <laughs> and Marissa joins in, too. Um, but I, I do like that line, Joss, why do you rail against the biz? You're making everybody miz. You're making everybody miz, yeah. Les miz. <laughs> yeah, no, it. they still have to sell some DVDs. Yeah, without these things you'd spit upon, you'd find your fame and fan base gone. You'd be ignored at Comic-Con. <laughs> Oh no! Everyone's worse. Which is like it's this thing where you like you have to play the you have to play the marketing game. Yeah. You have to play the. It's like you want to make a a superhero movie. You, you gotta suck it up and be part of the, yeah the machine. The machine. I mean, which is true to an extent, but also like we're coming to realize now that when you when you when you give your directors freedom and creative choice, they're actually more likely to make a quality product project than when you stifle them and control them so much that they make something like Avengers: Age of Ultron. Or, right. <laughs> Not going to go there. Um, guys? Uh, oh, so, yeah, so then Joss is like, that's it. Everyone out. I'm not producing a commentary with crappy commentators. Jed. Not Joss. Jed. Okay. Jed produces this. Okay, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then everyone leaves except Neil. And funny enough, so while this is going on on screen... Captain Hammer is running out because he's sad. Yeah. And he got lo- he and it, lost and he got hurt. Yeah, this is what pain feels like, someone maternal, please. <laughs> um, and then this is Neil's kind of alone moment where it's about to sing and is singing everything you ever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Neil on screen is in this like deep, sad, sad moment. And then Neil in commentary is in this it's weird song. It's like, Neil's turn. Yeah. He finally gets his song. Yeah. Have they all gone? Yes, it's Neil's turn. No more writers to whine. Now it's my turn to shine. So, uh, no, this song No is... more Nathan with his bean dip. No. Um, but, it's fun. Yeah, it's I... fun. It's weird. It gives gives Neil a chance to kind of show his range. Oh, 
singing vocal range, range. <laughs> vocal range and like uh dramatic like range because he has funny bits and then he gets like serious, serious. and scared. He has a, his Sondheim moment. So this is where I'm I'm calling a Sondheim moment. Um you are not alone at the end of Into the Woods that no one is alone. He's like asking am i really alone and like he's got all these questions at the end yeah. that I've, I've read very <laughs> what's with all these chords what's with all these weird chords <laughs> and the knob when he's playing with the knobs at the beginning of the song yeah. if you wear headphones it's a really cool experience yeah. because it does change levels and stuff and or it's, it's fun he says i'll sing my own harmonies and then like yeah it's There's like double tracked yeah. yeah which you want a fun fact about double tracking i would love that walt disney production company invented double tracking for Sing Sweet Nightingale and Cinderella. Okay. That's the bubble sequence that she when she's washing the floor okay. and there are all the bubbles that are singing along with her. Yeah, what um, year was that? That was 1950. Okay. Double tracking didn't become popular in music until the Beatles started doing it mm-hmm. in 65. Yeah. I don't know which album it would have been on. Something like Rubber Soul. Yeah. Rubber Soul kind of was the turning point, so it would make um, sense if it was Rubber Soul. But that's kind of where the whole concept came from in general. Yeah. And now it's very prevalent, and you like hear it all the time yeah. to like harmonize someone. They that's with themselves. Yeah, yeah. Tim Minchin is very famous for that. Well, he does it. For, he does it comedically because he'll just mix the song yeah. with only his own voice. Yeah. But uh, so Neil's it's it's fun. Um, yeah, Felicia dies while like. Neil makes Over the a comment. Of the song. Neil makes a comment that Felicia's and, died. Yeah, well, you just had to die because there's no team and I, and then she's dying on screen. Yeah. yeah, and he makes a reference to a boom guy in shot. There's a boom guy in frame. He was great. What's his name? Uh, that in the shot that's on the screen while he's singing that there is no boom guy in yeah. shot. I like this. I like the line. He's like, uh, "Look at that shot. We used cameras." <laughs> Me talking about movies because I have nothing to do with them other than I like watching them. Um, yeah, no, Neil's turn is really fun and it's it's a fun song. Yeah. It's, and, and Neil Patrick Harris is an amazing singer and um, he's got some really good notes. And he can rap. No, he cannot. <laughs> we have finally, so this whole time we've been like, Neil is great and PH is the best. We found a fault in NPH. He can't rap. He cannot rap. My name is Neil, and I'm here to say, No. <laughs> so, yeah, and then... The uh, commentary reprise. Yeah, and then everyone, then he's like... And then Felicia comes in, and she's like, Neil, you're not alone. You're just kind of a douche. <laughs> yeah. Yay! We resolved all of our problems, just like that. We only have three seconds. Everybody be happy. Yay! Yeah. No, this is, it's, it's the Broadway ending. In that it's a yeah. big sweeping song. It's got a lot going on. Uh, they it, make reference to like how they get quiet and then they get really loud. <laughs> Here's the big finish where we build up the tension. Then we get really quiet. Then we stop being quiet. Yeah. And you did that so dramatically when we were watching it earlier. And I got a <laughs> laugh out of it because you like did that. You did like hand movements and everything. And it was funny. Um, no, it, it's... Very self-referential yeah. in, like, fun way. And so, yeah, and so it ends, and they, they say, repeat the title commentary, and then it's, like, the big climax, and then it, like, ends, and then it's, and then Neil says, depressing shot, and it's the, the last shot of the show where he says a thing, and he's back in the billy clothes. And it's sad, and he's sad. Yeah. So, and it's, then the credits start rolling. Credits start rolling, we get Steve's song, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Steve's song, Maestro on the Rise. Yeah. 
Uh, Steve's song obviously is just a whole joke about how Steve has a little bit of a lisp, so the song has a bunch of S sounds in it, which he has a little bit more trouble saying. It's not. It's not like a totally exact. Like it's not like a totally exaggerated lisp. It's not a a natural lisp. Yeah, it's not. It's not something that he's putting on. It's just like a normal thing. Yeah, I it's not. It's hardly noticeable if the song wasn't even about it. Yeah, I found it similar to like nobody's Asian in the movies that like it's that pointing out of someone's difference and how they're not one of the leading three and like what yeah. that means. Um, well, okay, so early in the so before Stacy sings at the very beginning, um, there's a line where someone says, "Why don't you go stand over in the corner by Steve?" <laughs> and I just picture like in my in my head version of this, they're like all singing like in front of a screen, and then you just cut over to Steve Berg who's in the corner. He's like. <laughs> waving high <laughs> um no it's it's funny um it's a it's a good it's a good song like yeah well the the point of the song is that it actually is like a really like sweet like nice song that he sings well mm-hmm. and like regardless of the joke like it and it's playing over the credits where you're just kind of feeling sad and there's like soft piano it's a nice song i like yeah. it. yeah and it's a good song to end on yeah i think it's, it's one of those kind of like La- like it's kind of like a credit sting, a post credit sting. Yeah, or like um, like well, at the end of Sergeant Pepper's, right? You have the Sergeant Pepper's reprise, and then you have a day in the life. You're like, oh, that was the end of the album, and then we, with well, this this thing that's after the end, this is like, ooh, this is kind of special and like cool, like an encore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I or Her Majesty. I think yeah. Her Majesty's a better. Yeah. So off of Abbey Road. Yeah, after the end, you get Her Majesty, and you're like, oh, okay cute it's yeah. a little song it's it's precious a little tiny song yeah wait no that's a bare naked lady song never uh, mind um <laughs> um so can you say the number fully that he that uh, not the group groupie number seventy six thousand six hundred nine or five or squared seventy six thousand six hundred and six point oh there's he puts two, a decimal <laughs> seven six two point five nine or nine or squared nine or squared no niner <laughs> Niner? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny that he put does the decimal and the square. <laughs> yeah. I got a kick out of that. That's why I wrote it down. I was like, okay. okay. Um, no, it's it's a fun little it's a little ditty. A little ditty. So, Condor, we've come to the end of Commentary the Musical. We've presumably come to the end of our journey recording about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. We, we watched it again with air quotes that you can't see because it's a non-visual medium. Do you have any final thoughts about co- commentary about Dr. Horrible, about our our time in the last six months of trying to put this together piecemeal? It was really interesting coming back to this. I hadn't watched it in a while and hearing everyone's thoughts and thinking of the world we live in today. And it was... I still like this web series a whole lot, but I definitely think of it differently now. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think I have added some complexity to it. And some of my critiques, especially towards Joss, I don't know. It's it's one of those that, like, I'm frustrated with Penny in new ways, (laughs) but I also still like this. Like, it's not like I've been soured by the experience. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird... Thing in that it's almost not even important because of how good it is. It's almost more important because it is this kind of this blip in pop culture and film and TV making where they made this like really awesome thing that everyone forgets about. Mm-hmm. And it, like everyone 
under credits, but it's actually like really good and like interesting. Yeah, and the music's really interesting and um it's just it's a fun time. Yeah. Ooh, I see you've pulled up the list of people who came on as guests. I don't know all of them, and I know you do, so I don't know if they're all correct on that. Yeah, uh, they're not in the right order, but I will say we had on Alex Thompson, Travis Bowe, Zach Freckingsmith, and uh, his cousin Marvin Freckingsmith. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Marvin, what a great guy. Uh, Brad Mendenhall, Curtis Blaze, Niall McGowan, Rick Ingham, Jonathan and Tabitha Carlisle on separate episodes, Johan Joseph and Robin Garcia. Thank you all for coming on. Yeah, that was, it was fun. I liked, so this was very different than our past project in that we had a lot of guests this time. Yeah, we had guests on every episode. Except the first one and the last one and commentary, obviously. And And yeah, it's a, it's it's a vibe. I like having guests on occasionally, but I don't like having guests on every episode. Wow. (laughs) Way to be selfish. Be underappreciative of our guests and their time and insights. No, not not that, but it be, because it takes takes so much stress and energy to get a guest on that it's nice to do every once in a while, but like to do it all the time puts a lot of work into the podcast. Yeah, that, I think it's still fun. Yeah, and no, I liked getting to meet some new people and yeah. getting to hang out with some old friends. Yeah, but yeah, that's the great thing about guests. It's yeah. just they're 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 just they add a dynamic to the show. So thank you to all of our yes. guests. Thank you to our listeners. Our loyal listeners who have made it into an hour of talking, us just recapping jokes we like from commentary. Hey, if you expect anything less from us at this point, I guess you're just overthinking us. Uh, and yeah, uh, we'll be coming back at you soon with Wildcat Minute, our high school musical analysis, which will be shorter episodes and an interesting experience because I haven't seen it. And he's going in blind, people. I've confirmed with him yet again. He is waiting and watching it one minute at a time. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting, it'll be a different tone of show. It's going to be very different. Yeah. It'll, and, be, it'll be less of me just reciting lines I like because I don't, I don't have a pre-established thing. And I'm going to be hosting. Yeah. <laughs> all wild times in the future coming up. But, yeah. Yeah, so all thank right. you all for listening. Yeah, Dr. Horrible. He. It's a good one. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so you can follow us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Follow Tyler on the Twitter. Email us at AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. And keep subscribed to the Amateur Nerds RSSS feed where we have Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute all on there. Evil Podcast of Evil. And we'll start uploading Wildcat Minute soon. Farewell. Till then, I've been Tyler Boudreau, the podcast king of Chicago. And I have been Condra, queen of the night. And we hope you keep it evil.